Hey you grinders, my name is Jay Anderson and you're listening to another episode of Oak Strength Performance Radio. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Oak Strength Performance Radio. I'm your host, Adam Lane. If you're new to the show, our goal here is to create some content, some fantastic content for athletes, parents, and coaches. We tell stories, we have laughs, and we go into everything that is the end game of athletic performance, helping athletes achieve their optimal performance and be the best that they can possibly be. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Oak Strength Performance Radio. I'm your host, Adam Lane. Hear me with, hear me with, hear me with, hear me with, guest host, special guest host, guest host? Am I really a guest host, anymore? Host, host, Mr. Trace Nowak. Hey. And special guest today, Mr. Jay Anderson. How are you doing? Jay, thanks for joining us. I don't know problem. I know you're a busy guy. Not really. You have a lot <laughs> <laughs> You have a lot going on. Well, I spend more time here than I do pretty much anywhere else. You do, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. So, Jay, um, people who don't know anything about you, it's, it, you know, you've played a little baseball, okay? Just can, a little. Can, give, us, give, give us a background here. Who, who are you? Where you come from? What you do? What you enjoy? Give me the whole shebang. So, uh, I'm originally from Rockford. I ended up moving out to Winnebago. My freshman year of high school, yeah. but I've been playing baseball since I was five, okay. and I actually started playing baseball out in Roy Gale, so I would have been closer to Winnebago than anywhere else. Yeah. Then uh, we moved out to the Boys and Girls Club by the uh, by the gum factory, okay. played ball there for a little bit. Then by the time thir- I was 13, that was when I first started playing travel baseball, yeah. and that's when I started training in this building, but not with you guys. Yeah. I was at I was just with RVA mm-hmm. in Fusion. Mm-hmm. And then that was I a long s- time ago. Yeah. Well, that because you're not 13 anymore. No, nope, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be 20. Okay. So uh, we, I played with them all the way up until my senior year, and then we didn't we didn't feel the team because that seems to be like the big thing for high school baseball is everybody just kind of quits and falls off at 18 right around that age. Okay. So I didn't get to play ball my senior year. Okay. But after that, like then, senior summer, senior going, summer. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Not 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 high school. I got to play high school, but I gotcha. didn't get to play travel ball. They they for some reason kind of have that issue with that. I don't know if like they have that kind of transition in volleyball. Um, since a, almost all of our kids that graduate our program go on to play college, they all are they stick on because they're going into playing. But definitely with the kids who aren't gonna play in college, yeah, it falls off hard as an eighteen year old. Yeah, it's. It was, I think we had like seven guys returning. And I think out of those seven, like four of us were going off to play college somewhere. So it's, it's kind of tough when, you know, not everybody's as super dedicated to the sport anymore. I mean, guys are getting ready to move. Guys are, you know, trying to get into the workforce, stuff like that. And it's kind of a decision you have to make at that time. Or go off to college and not. Not, and play, not baseball. play ball. No, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's sometimes a tough sw- uh, pill to swallow yeah. too. Like you know, you got to make that decision of like how bad do you want to play or how bad do you want to go to college and where do you want to go to college. Gotcha. So, so your your current situation right now is what? So, uh, well, I was at a junior college out in Algin yep. called just Algin Community College. It was a really clever name. <laughs> so <laughs> people knew where it was. Yeah. Aptly named. <laughs> yep. So uh, we uh, we didn't get a season like most college baseball teams did. So we actually had our entire season canceled. We were a week before we were supposed to head down for our Florida trip. They just kind of like, they pulled the rug out from underneath us. They're like, yeah, no, we can't let you go. 
And so we kind of like we kind of put a little like scrimmage games together with a couple of teams, and we were going to have like a little league on our side until you know we thought the whole virus thing would be over and we'd be back in it and back at it, and that just wasn't the case. <laughs> so I kind of decided that you know academics are a little bit more important to me right now, but at the same time, like I want to play baseball still, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm going to end up going to the University of Kansas, Excellent. and uh, my goal is to walk on and. Just, you know, grind and grind and grind until I have a chance. Gotcha. So. And that with that being going this fall, going a year from this fall? Uh, going this fall. Okay. okay. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. If all of a sudden they decide, you know, Kansas will be completely online, I'll probably be back at Elgin playing baseball again. So, gotcha. I mean, but from the looks of it, we'll probably be there. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Tell us about, uh, like, growing up and stuff like that. Because you haven't just played baseball. Mm-hmm. You've played other sports. Yes. Tell us about that. So, I played uh, – I was actually – so, I played – Hockey, I played golf during high school, and then I also played uh, I, uh, I played football. I hated football. Uh, I was I w- interfered with hockey, and it was just it was we weren't very good. I think we wa- I played fourth to seventh grade, and I think we won three football games out of eight every season. So gotcha. we weren't we weren't stellar, and uh, so I really I guess my big passion up until I guess high school was hockey. Like, I mean, I, I loved hockey every, with everything I had. Like I, you know, I practice four times a week. Like I drive into Elgin to pra- to practice. And then on Fridays, like I'd skate by myself here out in Rockford when I had the opportunities. And then, uh, yeah. So eventually that just kind of came down to the wire of, you know, what do you really want more? And I kind of realized that being only five foot nine and being a defenseman doesn't necessarily translate to, you know, uh, like it doesn't make you like necessary. There's a lot, but be- there's a lot better guys. There's a lot of guys that were my size that had the similar, like that were bigger than me that had the same amount of skill. Yeah. And you know, the, it's, it's much easier when you're playing a sport that's as, you know, gritty and, you know, like, just like that sport, you yeah. can't really can't sacrifice size in certain positions. Mm-hmm. You know, if I would have been a forward, I might have still been playing. Not today, because I don't. There's not a lot of opportunities for college hockey. It's it's the hardest sport to play college. In. Yeah. And so uh, I just kind of came to my senses. When was that? When, when did you When did you stop playing? I stopped my my freshman year, like okay. after my freshman year. So okay. after, so it had been freshman your second semester gotcha. I kind of was just like you played a long time yeah I played I played since I was three so okay. three to 15 and a few years there yeah just a couple and I just kind of made the decision it wasn't you know it wasn't taking me anywhere and mm-hmm. it wasn't really the goal anymore it kind of changed so I just want to play a sport in college gotcha and uh the sport in college would just ended up being baseball okay I mean if golf would have had chances it would have been golf <laughs> but <laughs> Golf I, sounds I awesome. still maintain that, and I love volleyball, big volleyball guy, but I still maintain that hockey is the most fun sport to play. 100%. There's, there's nothing that comes close, I don't think, to the level of excitement you get when you play hockey. Oh. I can't. There was a while after I quit playing hockey at, at 18. I think until I was 21, I couldn't even go watch hockey because I'd just get so mad that I wasn't playing. Oh, yeah. And it, like, yeah, I don't get like that with anything else. And it's, it's, it's a sport where you're not allowed to not be dedicated to it. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I mean, you're practicing two times a week most times, but, like, the farther in you get, the more you're like, all right, this is, like, it, it just, it breeds a love in you. Like, mm-hmm. and it's just, it. there's something about it that if you, once you've played it, you're like, oh, I, I got to keep playing somehow, yeah. some way. So, 
It's it's just addicting, I guess. Yeah. yeah. How um so interesting because so not that hockey is completely rotational, but a, a good amount of rotation within that sport. Yeah. As with baseball, as with golf, I mean, d- did you notice any of those swings screwing up your your baseball swing or mm. baseball swing mess up your golf swing? So. I actually never really had that big of an issue translating my baseball swing to golf because I didn't really pick up golf until high school. Okay. And I didn't really get competitive in it until high school. But uh, when I really actually noticed it was when I got back from from school this year after, you know, hitting 150 to 200 baseballs off a tee or off live or something like that every single day for four four months, you know you get back and you try to swing a golf club. You're like, what's, mm-hmm. what's my issue here? Yeah. Like I had no problem this fall and you get back and you just like, it, it just, nothing was there. Gotcha. And so it happens, but I really think it's more of a mental thing and where you're kind of like, all right, if you don't make the disconnect, it's going to screw something up. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to change it. So you just have to say my golf swings different than my baseball swing. My baseball swings different than my golf swing. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, Speak to, I mean, because you've been training with us for a while. Um, s- speak to that because you catch. Yeah. It's a terrible position. 100%. <laughs> you, you get the absolute tarby out of you. Yeah. You, you know? have to hate yourself a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so true. Because I, too, was a catcher back in the day. Yeah. Me, too. And less good than you were, Jay, let's be clear, um, than you are. Um but yeah, it's it's hard. Your body gets beat up. Da, da, da. Talk about like this the strength conditioning piece. I mean, you, you are in here all the time. Yeah. Between you know lifting weights here, going next door, hitting balls. Like I mean, you you're all the time. What speak to that whole piece? Why do you think that's important? Why do you keep doing it? Give me the whole spec. So the reason I've kind of put weightlifting on a pedestal is I've realized that you know. Throwing and doing all the motions can only get you so strong. Like, granted, like you in baseball, you can be too big. Yeah. There's certain spo- there's certain sports where once you're like you're a certain size, you're like, all right, I have lost mobility in my legs. I've lost mm-hmm. mobility in my shoulder to throw. But with catching, obviously, you know the big you know the big area and the big worry is your knees. Mm-hmm. So the reason I'm in here so much is because of the program on Sparta Science. You know they know that I'm a catcher and. <laughs> They really, you know, they don't hammer my knees, but they're constantly giving my legs other points to be stronger at so my knees don't have to hold on to, you know, all that, you know, take the whole load of my not so skinny physique. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's why I train so much. Yeah. And, you know, there's other areas that, you know, if you're not training, you're falling behind. And so when I'm not here, you know, I'm no, I'm not, I'm not fast in any way shape or form but that's another reason why I'm here is you know I'm working my legs but I'm also you know running cones I'm doing ladders I'm doing what I can to you know stay in good shape and yep. you know challenge other people at the position because you know they might have they might throw harder than me but I might hit harder and run better you know run harder yep. or whatever mm-hmm. so you know it's it's all about finding a way and getting a leg up and find, you know, taking your weaknesses and challenging yourself to put those weaknesses behind you and, you know, find the next set because yeah. eventually with the spar science does a great job with, you know, challenging every part of your body because they really focus in on your abs on, you know, so like the first five sets, you know, or might be your legs. Mm. And then the next set might be your, 
you know, your chest and your abs, and it really, you yeah. know, it very trunk centric. Yeah, especially with your scan. Yep. So when with the U scan or mm-hmm. the explode, I mm-hmm. need help with mm-hmm. you know having better abs, mm-hmm. which I've never been. We're gonna, with. we're gonna say trunk, <laughs> not just abs. But yeah, I mean, trunk in in we the We have core. catcher abs. Let's be yeah. clear here. That's yeah, <laughs> it's not that they're not there; they're just a little covered. <laughs> they exist. They're, they have strength. Yeah. They bear load. But it's just they're not yeah. they're not as strong in as certain areas. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. and it, it leads to and. Thank you for the shameless plug for Sparta Science. Um, but leads, I mean, you're in such a big rotational sport. Every time you throw, every time you hit, like, you know, you rotate at 100 miles an hour, but then you have to put the brakes on right away. And yeah. that can lead to a lot of back issues, a lot of low back issues. So many baseball players are plagued with low back stuff. 100%. Um, you know, and trace volleyball the same and, and whatnot, jumping, landing, and, you know, geez. I can't imagine that. Oh, gosh. Well, and then even catching, too. I don't think people realize that, like, it's not just squatting behind the plate. No. It's not even a squat. You get in, sometimes you're calling pitches so insanely low. You get in just crappy, crappy, knee in, rotated, like yeah. hunched over, crunny, like hard positions um, just to make sure that the pitch gets to where it needs to be. Yeah, and that, you know, that brings up one of my mm-hmm. largest pet peeves is like when you're sitting, well, especially when uh, at, during high school, everybody goes, well, if I played baseball, I'd play catcher because all you have to do is sit there. <laughs> and that couldn't be farther from the truth. But, you know, you have to be flexible back yeah. there too because oh, yeah. you have, you know, but that's what naturally happen- has to be for baseball players. They can't be these, you know, robots that are just these tight mechanisms. You Absolutely. have to be really flowing, loose. And, you know, you watch some of the best pitchers in the game, and they don't throw 98 miles an hour because they're all just ready yeah. ready to go. No, it's because they're, you know, they're like whips. And yeah. They just let the ball fly. Yeah. So and, and that translates to every position. And But the catching, throwing position, the catcher's – Throwing is completely different than pretty much anywhere else on the field because of how much faster we have to yeah. be from transfer to get to the ball to second or yeah. first or third. So Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's – I love that we are now past the John Cruck era of, you know, be out of shape. No offense to Crucky. Um, <laughs> you know, big out of – do you know who I'm talking about? No. Remember? Oh, you're, my gosh. You're over my I'm head here, way man. Too, you have no idea who I'm talking no, about. No, I have no idea. John Cruck played first base for the – for the Phillies back in the day. He was a large, man, out of shape. Well, he said like Prince Fielder. Had, Prince Fielder, but the greatest yeah. the greatest baseball player of all time was arguably one of the worst physiqued person, people I've ever seen, Babe Ruth. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, and hit the cigars tar all the time. Yeah. 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 Just sometimes you get, you have a guy that just finds a way for stuff to translate for yeah. him. Yep. Yeah. And well, and, and now I think we're to the point where everybody on the roster is an athlete, oh, which yeah. I just appreciate. You know, just you, your favorite, first baseman might be a, a big guy, but he's he's strong and athletic and yeah. can squ- squat. I've seen Rizzo squat three fifteen like it was. Like, yeah, the, <laughs> I mean, the days the days Jeez. of just being a hitter are kind of gone. Yeah. where you know, like they just willingly put you at third or first because you were just a big bat in the lineup. They're kind of gone. You still have, you kind of have to be, not you don't kind of, you have to be an athlete now. You have to, you know, show that you're worth it. And there are big guys in the game, but those big guys play their position still extremely well at the highest, you know, at the highest level. So, you know, who am I to say that, you know, Pablo Sandoval, the panda, is out of shape because if, (laughs) if he can throw, if he can, if he can throw the ball, 
95 miles an hour across the field and still get guys out and then hit 300 in, in the majors, I have nothing to say other than the dude's an athlete. Yeah. Yeah. Bartolo Colon. Bartolo yeah. Colon. I mean, perfect example. He's made some incredible catches at his <laughs> wonderful size. He's made some good plays. Yeah. He's, he had a – my favorite play of him is he made – he guy put a bunt or like it was a swinging bunt basically down the first baseline and he runs over and he takes his glove and he glove flips it behind his back to the first baseman to get the guy out. Yep. So, I mean, they're still athletes, but the dude looks like he would be a professional hot dog yeah. eater or something like that. Yeah, if you saw him on the streets, you'd just think he was <laughs> someone's dad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's just, that's a dad. Yeah. He looks like a dad. Not a dad bod, just... A dad. He does, yeah. he's a regular guy. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. David Wells? Do you know David Wells? Oh, oh man. Gosh. Seriously? I'm that old? I feel like you're not even trying, Jeez. Adam. No, so the, the, the John Wilborn, who played in the NFL for, for 10 years, who runs the power athlete uh, group that we're, we're associated with, okay. lived by David Wells, who pitched for the Yankees back in the day. Big left-handed pitcher, and just almost like a Tom Glavin, Greg Maddox type. Big Texas hard-throwing yeah, guy? No, not that hard-throwing. No, oh. no, no. Yeah, okay. yeah. just more of a hit-your-spots. Oh, night, yeah, you know, they don't you know. miss. Did, did, yeah, exactly, okay. exactly. And so, like... John in the offseason would be training his butt off, you know, preparing for the NFL season, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he'd see Dave Wells just waving, you know, just kind of <laughs> drinking beers, eating, yeah. and it's just kind of, yeah, it's off season. He's enjoying his life and just, I don't know. Again, I can't speak specifically to Wells so a whole lot, but it, I just think it, I love how, ba- and everybody now, golfers now yeah. are now yeah. athletes. Oh, yeah. Bryson DeChambeau. I mean, they, but I golfers had that bad rap for a long time, yeah. and I think that came from like John Daly. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say, yeah, yeah, it's the John Daly. <laughs> you, rap. You, you let a guy like John Daly on tour, and there's nothing wrong with John. I love watching mm-hmm. him play, but you let a guy with that kind of physique, and you know, yeah. you know, I when I was in college, my college coach gave me a pack of cigarettes to lose weight. Like, <laughs> you know, that that, that <laughs> a lot has changed since the eighties yeah, yeah. and then I in the early nineties. So. <laughs> You know. Good times, though. I yeah. mean, yeah, the golf probably gets a bad rap too because some of the people playing it still at a professional level are past fifty. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I'm sure that that plays into the athlete thing. I think across all the sports, though, you still have people who are smoking cigarettes, grilling meat out in the off yeah. season. I mean, Eddie Lacy of the Green Bay Packers. Mm. Definitely enjoying his off season. <laughs> yeah, he, for he has a few some years good. There. He has some good family barbecues <laughs> yes. once in a while. But though, I mean, but again, they they know when to turn it on. Yeah. Yep. And I think that's kind of what differentiates those caliber of athletes to you know the average day CrossFitter yeah. and people like that is you know, you know I love. Don't get me wrong. If my mom was making barbecue right now, I'd be home in a heartbeat. Yeah. But the it, the difference is, is those guys know like what their bodies can take and how to set themselves up for success because yeah. they got themselves there. Yeah. And yeah. most of us will never know what the recipe su- for success is because most of us will never play yeah. at the professional level. Yeah, they're, and they're just different levels of athletes. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's – yeah, it, those guys. Pretty much everybody in the NFL, if they just took a whole offseason off, would be better than – Ninety nine point nine nine percent of anybody else that yeah. plays. Yeah. I mean, you. Still. You. I mean, yeah. You give. I think you give a team any any professional football team a year long break, and you still put them out there on the field. I think they'd give some of the top tier college oh, teams yeah. a run for their yeah. money. They still smash At, Bama. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. gonna say that, but you know, yeah. they. Uh, that's just 
what they do. Yeah. I mean that it, it's you know it's your prof it's their profession, so that's what they take to the highest level that they can. Whether yeah. you know, yeah, and that applies to everybody though. Yeah. So, and I think I think you've seen it on the strength conditioning side, N- not only the the part of you know building these you know good athletes you know who can can lift weights and run fast and da da da, but that injury prevention piece oh, 100%. is 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 probably the most important piece now. Yeah. You know, it's, oh, it's great that you made it there. Now you have to stay there and now you have to stay healthy because that's so hard for people to do, especially with the game schedules of, you know, that that you guys have with baseball or, you know, literally any sport, basketball, volleyball, you know, they play a ton. They're they're practicing a ton. So let's keep them available, keep them healthy. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. And one of my favorite uh, motivational speakers, uh, Eric Tom. Eric Thomas. I thought you were gonna say Chris Farley. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he uh he had a quote. He was he was speaking to uh, North Carolina State's football team, and he goes, "Practice makes permanence. Practice doesn't make perfect. It yeah. makes permanence." And with the newer tech that we know and have, we're creating more longevity within yeah. you know athletes, especially high school athletes, because. You know, it ba- it used to be back in high school. I mean, it was like this even when I was in high school. You know, you got one injury, and I mean, that set you back until yeah. ever. And you know, you'd be you'd graduate a senior year, and it would be a what if situation for yeah. the rest of your life because, mm-hmm. you know, you might have been a freshman and you blew out your knee mm-hmm. or something like that. And now we're at a situation where we can see that you're having knee problems before you even have the yeah. knee problem. So you know, I can't imagine what you know my kids or when I have them or your kids when you're when they're playing what they have available to them because sports is sports technology has just blown up in recent years and I was blessed to be at the beginning of it but I can't imagine what's coming yeah well especially in baseball baseball seemed like from bottom up just they they love their technology in baseball it, it went from a very old school kind of thought, you know, I mean, with Roger Clemens and those guys who would come out and they'd be like, oh, I, I don't get why these guys are only throwing 100 pitches a game. I used to throw 300 pitches. I throw 100 pitches before the game. I throw 150 during the game, and then I throw 50 to close it out at the end of the day in the bullpen. And then, but, you know, Roger Clemens and, you know, those guys were anomalies. They could do that now. But you know, back then, I guarantee you, the average lifespan for a pitcher in the in the majors was probably like five years shorter than what yeah. it is now. Yeah, Roger might have been doing some other things too. Though. Roger was definitely doing some <laughs> other things. <laughs> Keep kept him healthy. Yeah. I don't know who wasn't at that time. No, quote unquote. Yeah, that's a sad. It was thing. the best era of baseball. It was. There was a lot of good baseball. Man, oh. I've never been so excited as I was in the McGuire Sosa. Oh man! Did you run. guys watch that uh, Thirty for Thirty? No, oh. I haven't watched the Thirty for Thirty. One hundred percent, gotta watch it. Yeah, oh, I man. think. I mean, they don't really talk about the steroids. Mm-hmm. Like they bring it up, and you know, when like it kind of like when it broke, and everybody was like, "Oh my God, what do you mean yeah. that?" You know that the monster of a man over there isn't completely natural. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. But Sammy Sosa before Sammy Sosa after. Yeah, or like <laughs> the people that would be like, they're not on steroids. <laughs> you just had to look at them and and go, did you just start seeing Barry Bonds today? Yeah. Because when he came in the league, yeah. he was like a base stealer. Yeah. A little was. short, little skinny, quick guy. Yeah. yeah. And then he blew up like a hundred pounds. Gosh. But you know. <laughs> Those guys still had skill. Oh yeah, like they did. and like they that's did. what that yeah. thirty for thirty does a lot of justice yeah. for because you know seventy home runs has never been done and it will not. I mean, it's been done and it will never be done again. Yeah, yeah. and 
to just make contact with a ball that often and that frequent and hit it that hard. Yeah. I mean, you take steroids out of that. Uh, McGuire's season might have still been a 45 home run season with yeah. a couple off the yeah. top of the yeah. fence. And I mean, he's a Mike Trout level hitter. Yeah, yeah. probably without yeah. steroids. And then mm-hmm. guys, and people kind of like they do they deserve being in a Hall of Fame? I don't know. Yeah. That's kind of not where I stem and talk about that yeah. but do they deserve the recognition that they have 100 yeah. percent. i mean they were still some of the best hitters in the game yeah. ever yeah i mean i don't want to detract too much but we could go into a whole thing where i think that they deserve their own hall of fame and that baseball should have steroids because it's not even really a contact sport and it was the best time numbers for time. baseball had to be yeah i had a peaking bu- i have a i have a buddy that truly believes that you know if we could find cleaner steroids and, you know, yeah. do it, if we could regulate it 100%, just throw yeah. it in the game. Yeah. And because, I mean, who wouldn't want to see peak performance out of a human body? Just guys throwing 107 and a guy hitting 145 <laughs> miles an hour, 560 feet. It was, I mean, I remember Barry Bonds getting walked with loaded bases. Oh, that's it. Yeah. That's he, how he got thrown he around was. so much. Just. Well, you don't throw to him. Yeah. No. Yeah. He, he they would take a run, yeah. a guaranteed he, run. He did not get over many pitches giving him to a hit. chance. Yeah. Oh. And he still broke the record. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah. God. That 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 era of baseball, I got I missed that era of baseball, but it was. And when you watch games like that, and you just hear the folklore, it's like yeah. it's it's almost like talking about gods in yeah. baseball <laughs> when you talk about those seasons. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It, as a Cubs fan, it was fun back in the day. Oh, I, yeah. I can't yeah, even was, imagine. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, because I was actually alive during those times. Wow. Uh, I know. Really? <laughs> I was alive during those times. So, yeah, you were. He was alive yes. during them. He just yeah. wasn't very old. I was, well, I was born yeah. in 2000. So. Oh, oh yeah. maybe not. Uh, no, yeah. I think, well, because yeah. that would have been long gone summer was 96. Yeah. 86 was Bond's rookie year, and I think 85 was McGuire. Yep. Something like that because the Bulls, the Bulls, like the Cubs were just going to be another miserable season, they thought, because Sosa was kind of underthought. Yeah. And it was when, uh, it was when Woods broke into the league and yeah. he threw the 20 strikeout yeah, game. That's right. The 20 strikeout game. And, uh, and all the Chicago writers were like, all right, well, we got, at least we can write about, you know, yeah. at least we have him to write about, mm-hmm. but we're just kind of hoping for basketball to be back so yeah. we can talk about Jordan. Yeah. And I mean, there was nothing better to talk about in yeah. Chicago besides Michael Jordan yeah. at the time. So, yeah. well, my bad. The Bulls, because that team was great just yeah. without him, too. Yeah. Jeez. Man. So, Jay, if we come back to you now. Okay, my bad. Okay. Sorry about no, the tangent. This, but is no, good. this is good. This is good. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I remember where I was when Kerry Wood struck out the 20. Like, yeah. it was, it was, we, we, we went to baseball practice. We're all standing at our car because our field wasn't at the high school, so we had to drive to the to Sycamore Park, and we're all standing at our cars listening to Wood yeah. just keep striking. Out. Yeah, <laughs> guys, and like, is he going to get twenty? Is he going? He just got twenty. Holy cow! And yeah. we're just you know started practice like a half hour late because yeah. we're all listening well, to this one twenty game. My uncle was driving home and he was listening to the game in his truck, and he said, "I pulled over." Yeah. He's like, "I could." He's like, "He's like, I couldn't handle yeah. listening to the game yeah. and driving." He's like, "I had to pull over." I just had to take in every call that I could hear. Yeah. yeah. So I was I was listening to it on the radio in the backyard of my grandparents' house. Yeah. I couldn't. I, I wish. I wish I could have heard yeah. or saw that game, but I never watched it. I've seen the YouTube highlights. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. I, but yeah, we used to. I love baseball on the radio. Oh, I, I think, think it's better than on. TV. And the Cubs have arguably yeah. the best yeah. callers for yeah. the radio in yeah. the entire. Yeah. 
in the entire league. Yeah. It was, gosh. I think it's funny a lot of people remember, you know, tragedy where they were at, you know, when the Challenger exploded. and I don't remember where I was. 9-11. But we remember when Kerry Woods. Challenger would have been before you, I think. <laughs> yeah, it was. Columbia. Yeah. You would have you would have known where you were at for Columbia. I was at, yes, at my friend's house, Ryan Bartz's, just down the street. I remember that. I, 9-11, I was in fourth grade math class. Jesus. Yeah. I was the last generation that 9-11 is now, that wasn't taught as history. Oh, because oh, wow. I was the last I was the last year born before that was born during before nine eleven happened, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so the pe- the grade behind me wasn't alive for it. Yeah, so yep. that's my sister is the same age as you. Yep, yeah. she was born. Jeez. Yeah, it's crazy. Young children. Yeah. Speaking of children, Jay, where what role have your parents played within this this everything that's been your athletic career? So I mean, obviously, getting me back and forth was. The biggest thing, not the biggest thing, but, you know, they were always my biggest supporters. They were always there for me, but they didn't always make every game. I mean, every game. I mean, I played, when I played hockey at one point, I had a season, I had back-to-back seasons where we played almost a full NHL season of 82 games. Cool. I don't expect my parents to be able to make every single game. <laughs> you know, sometimes you're carpooling, sometimes they can't, they don't even make tournaments. Mm. And, you know, it's, you know... You just kind of, when you've played hockey for that much or played baseball for that long, you just kind of learn to just, you know, it just kind of happens, you know, especially with separated parents. It's Mm -hmm. kind of hard because, you know, sometimes, you know, dad's got to work or mom's got to work. And, you know, sometimes you're off on a tournament with dad or you're off with a tournament on mom and it just happens like that. And, you know, it just, (laughs) I guess it never really like bothered me. Because, you know, it's just kind of like how it goes. You know, I can't like I can't look in the stands and be like discouraged because in the end of the game, I'm still in the end of the day, I'm still playing for my team. Like yeah. I'm still playing for me, not like being selfish, but, you know, I got to perform. Yep. And, you know, if I let, you know, if I let my parents not being there discourage me, you know, yeah. what what are what's going to happen to the team? Like, was I happy every game my parents showed up? Yeah, 100 percent. But I think the biggest thing that the biggest and the best thing my parents did for me, there's two things, was admit when they didn't know, didn't have enough knowledge of the game and let me, you know, be coached. You know, you, there's certain parents, you know, you if your dad was a professional baseball player and you're playing baseball, then the dude could probably coach you all the way up through the minors if yeah. he had to. But, you know, when parents... You know, my parents played high school sports, obviously, but, you know, at, you know, certain time you just got to say, all right, I don't, I don't have, I don't have the ability to coach my kid anymore. So what is the best possible way I can get my kid the coaching? How can I give my kid the best opportunity without, you know, without me hindering their process? And I think my parents did an excellent job in, you know, setting me up with good coaches, putting me in good programs, taking Mm -hmm. care of my body, making sure that I was doing the right things, eating the right things, you know. And I think both of them did an amazing job. And then the second thing was they they developed – Not to cut you off, I'm going to go back to the first thing. I think that's really hard for parents. 100%. To sometimes bite their tongue. Yeah. Because it's – a lot of them do it just – not like reliving their old high school, glory you know, days. you know, yeah. glory days through their through their children, but like you're just supporting your your child, and like, and then you have to like, ah, oh, I'm not the coach, I'm not coach, shut up, don't talk at him, um, you know, which I find myself doing at jujitsu tournaments. Like 100. I listen to you know, Coach Tommy and, and Coach Ryan. Don't don't you know the little bit of jujitsu that I know and understand. 
pales in comparison to what they know. Yeah. Adam, be quiet. They need to listen to their coaches. They don't need to be looking at mom and dad during, you know, a match or a game or whatever. Yeah. They need to be looking at their coach to figure out exactly what's yeah. going yeah, on. Yeah, because so. even if you're saying the exact same stuff that yeah. Tommy or yeah. the other guy. Oh, and you guys both say. coach, so you yeah. know it. Because, yeah. you know, th- I think one of the hardest things for a coach to deal with is a parent that claims to know more than they do. <laughs> <laughs> and... <laughs> There's some worse stuff. That's a wicked. That's, that's a, wicked a good one. <laughs> but you know, I truly, yeah. I truly believe that. I, I, I really yeah. think you know sometimes parents can take down a whole program yeah. if they want to, mm-hmm. and I mean, and, and it's not because it's not because the kid might be a cancer, but it's solely because the parent thinks that you know. Well, I played. I played. I went to state and won vo- a volleyball tournament during my sophomore year of high school. Like I, I could have made it. Like I knew what I'm talking about. And like you might, like you might 100% have all the information in the world at your at your in your pocket. But if you have it, coach. Yeah. Don't don't. And if you're gonna coach, don't go easy on your kid. Yeah. Because yeah. one thing I learned. So I played for the Scarpettas at Rockford Baseball mm-hmm. Academy, and both of their kids got drafted. And they didn't get drafted because they played daddy's ball. They mm-hmm. got drafted because Dan and Dennis were harder on their kids than they were any other kid on mm-hmm. that team. And granted, sometimes you don't need to be that strict, but obviously they had it figured out because yeah. uh, it's better than the reverse. Yeah, for you, sure. You, oh, yeah, you don't want to be easier on your kid than no. anyone else. And so that's that's where you got to have the disconnect. Like mm-hmm. you know, you can't you know you can't be like I'm so sorry, sweetie. Like I'm sorry <laughs> that you know I'm sorry you missed that dig or whatever. Like or I'm sorry you made an error. Like yeah. no, it's you know if you're 16 years old and you booted a ground ball mm-hmm. and then threw it into the stands <laughs> and you come off the field and your dad gives you a pat on the butt and says, good job. Way to be kid. And no, it's like, it's not real. No, you gotta, yeah. you gotta come off and he's gotta, you know, he's gotta pull you aside and he's gotta be your coach. Like you gotta have the disconnect. Yeah. And then if you're not the coach, you have to have the disconnect of, I am here for support. Yep. And that is all I'm yeah. here for. Yeah. You have, if you're playing a travel sport and you're not at home, you have plenty of time to let your kid know what they screwed up on yeah. on the car ride home. Yeah. Oh yeah. Don't. I heard a lot of that. Oh yeah. And I got a lot of it. And that was that was my second point. Is I think I like how you tied that together. Nicely done. So second point. Second point. <laughs> so my parents also did a really good job on forcing me to analyze my game and how I played. So a lot of times, you know, if I was going through a slump in baseball, I would not want to talk about anything. And right as I got home, my mom would be like, what happened? <laughs> what do you mean, what happened? I like, I went, I fanned on three curveballs and then grounded out on a fastball. And, but, and like, I'd have attitude and like, I'd be cranky. I'd be mad at him. And I, like, my dad would call like an hour after dinner and he'd ask me the same thing. He'd be like, what happened out there? Like, what's going on? Like, are you, you know, what's, what's affecting your game? And my, and my parents were both really good at that. And it was the same thing with hockey because, you know, I'm coming home from West on D. So it was a 45 minute drive and it was if I played bad, it was a long 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not like, I'm not saying like my mom or my dad are mean. It's that, you know, they recognized the fact that I had a dream. And at one point, my dream was to play college hockey. And then at another point, my dream was to play college baseball. And without them allowing, without them hounding on me to analyze my game and to take in like, you know, what did, so you went 0 for 4 and your buddy went 2, two for two for three with a walk and two home runs. What was, what pitches was he seeing that you weren't? And, you know, it's just, they made me, you know, 
take in parts of the game that if I would have just went home and sat in my room and just not ate dinner or just hung up the phone, yeah. you know, I would have missed out on. Yeah. And I, I didn't, I hated it. I didn't pick up on it at first. You know, it was little stuff that I just kind of ignored. But, like, I started to really listen to it. Eventually, when I got to college base, when I started playing college ball, and, you know, I got there, and it was a culture shock. Because when you get, when you leave your program, especially, I don't want to, like, toot my own horn, mm-hmm. but, like, I was I was pretty good for Winnebago. I wasn't mm-hmm. the best from my four years, and I wasn't, you know, the best at everything I did, but I was consistently good. I was good enough to get myself where I needed to go. Yeah. Yep. But I got to college and at every level you not there's not not every team but every level there's dudes mm-hmm. and by a dude I mean you were the one in your high school mm-hmm. like you were legit mm-hmm. and it's a culture shock for those people because yeah. you get there and You're it's with a bunch of other dudes yeah and you yeah everybody's yep. a dude in college everyone you know, you you might have been the best volleyball player on VC United, <laughs> and you got you got taken by Nebraska because I just know that they're phenomenal. Really good. Yeah, <laughs> and you got taken by v- Nebraska, and you know you VC has a lot of really good Division One yeah. you know players that yeah. have gone places and compete. But you know, you get there and it's a whole yeah. new ball yeah, game. Everyone's just like you. Yep, and you're just like wow. And I and I got I got to Elgin and. My arm wasn't where it needed to be. My bat speed, I was hitting the ball hard. I hit well. I was doing everything I could. But, like, I got there, and there was four other catchers, and I was bottom of the totem pole. And I was just like, well, where – what – and then – but, like, I after, like, the first couple of practices, like, I'd find myself when I was in the study room or when I was back at home, like, on my bed, just kind of sitting there. Like, I was like – I slowly started, like, analyzing like where am I missing and I was watching film on YouTube of the best catchers I could find and then next thing you know I had a bulletin board in my in my uh in my room in my apartment and uh on that bulletin board had so we used this thing called Rapsodo and it had all my charts for hitting and it was you know and I had like these zones like you ever well when you watch baseball they mm-hmm. have yeah. the cutout yep. zone yep. so they yep. have those zones and they have like they have squares dedicated to those zones and I find myself sitting there after every weekend after I printed off a new one you know highlighting the zones that are going up going down mm-hmm. like why am I you know why am I hitting 88 in the you know in and in at my waist but I'm hitting 83 low and away mm. so it gives it gives you a new sense and that's another thing that like people really need to start attaching themselves to is assessing your own game and assessing yeah. games around you because if you can't recognize when someone is better than you you can't beat them yeah 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 being self-reflective i think is really hard for yep. people to actually oh. look in the mirror and be like yeah. hey you you're good at yeah exactly yeah well, i was gonna start it more positive but hey, no. you're good at this you're bad at this no, but, but you know yeah. sometimes sometimes it has to be that reality yeah. you know check you have to get hit in the mouth once in a while yeah. and be like yeah. whoa yeah. like i thought i had it all figured out in high school like i was lifting four times a week like i was in there i was swinging and then you get there and you're like oh yeah and uh tori mentioned this last week like you know like she said in high school, like everybody thought how like everybody every freshman that she came in with were like they all thought they knew how to run, and the mm-hmm. Lewis coach had to completely te- reteach them how to yeah. run properly, and you know, and th- that doesn't say anything to their coaches because <laughs> when coaching at high school, it's extremely hard. I think because yeah. you have guys who you have people. I'm sorry that I keep saying guys because that's 
what I played with. Yeah. But you know, they focus. You know, they you know they have to focus their attention to the slackers who aren't paying attention. That you yeah. know, the coaches have to realize that you know when I put you in the game, are you really going to be? Are you going to harm the team? Or are you going to be an asset? Like, are mm-hmm. you going to get the job done? And when I put you in, you know, whenever that might be. Mm-hmm. And then, then he has less time to focus his time on, you know, the guys who are actually there to work. And there was plenty of us there to work, but, you know, just a few people can take up almost all the coach's time. Yeah. And that's just kind of how, it, that's how it is. Yeah. So, and it was like that in college, but you also had a better dedicated group of people around you. Like everybody was like that small dedicated group on your high school yeah. team. Like they were there to work. Like me and my me and uh, the, another catcher actually, like the second week of practice, I barely knew the kid. His name was Zach Ferris, and he's going to uh, he's going to Division two school down. I think it's Tusculum University. Okay. And kid's a legit catcher. Like I think one hundred percent he could have played Division one ball if he you know gave if granted you know the scouting and the mm-hmm. name and stuff like that. I think one hundred percent he could have played D one somewhere. And uh, Tusculum's a legit D2 school. So, like, I'm not taking anything away from them. But uh, I told, like, I got there and I... I saw him. I'm like, that's that's who I have to beat. He's number one. Because he was there. He was a freshman... Well, he was a sophomore when I came in. Okay. So I was like, right, that's the guy to beat. That's who I have to show up and beat every single day. I got to beat him in the weight room. I got to beat him on. I got to beat him behind the dish, and I got to yeah. beat him when I'm hitting. Yeah. And then I got. I just got to find the game. And I told him when we were in the cage, like I finally got him singled out by himself. And I go, I said Zach, and he goes, Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sticking by your side. And he's like, why? I'm like, because I noticed that you are one of the hardest workers on this team and you're the guy I need to beat. And the only way I can beat you is to train as hard as you do and do what you do. <laughs> so how do you take that? He didn't, he didn't seem to mind. Okay. <laughs> so, cause he's like, I'm yeah. coming after you. <laughs> well, I told him, I'm like, I, you're number one. And I'm like, I'm coming for your spot. And he, I didn't like, I wasn't like, I wasn't like a threat. Cause like he knew like if he pushed himself the way he had been pushing himself, he's going to beat me out. Yeah. But I wanted him to know that, you know, I'm not just going to lay down and just be like, Hey, like, yeah, you're, you're, he's, yeah, he's the one yeah. he's number one. And I'll gladly sit over here at my number three spot or whatever, and yeah. just wait for whatever amount yeah. of games to yeah. come up. No, I'm yeah, going to tell he gets you hurt. No, you know? God, no, <laughs> but you know, I'm going to show up and I'm going to tell you, like, I'm here to play. Like, yeah. I, and you know, that's going to translate when I go to Kansas. Yeah. Like I literally have, you know, I've decided that, you know, when I walk in there that I'm going to tell that coach, like, listen, dude, like mm-hmm. I have a feeling that if I showed up to your walk on tryout right now, you'd tell me to go home. So, so I'm, what I'm going to ask you is, I'm going <laughs> to no, I'm going to say, can you give me a shot? Just let me practice for the full fall. You don't have to guarantee me anything. Yeah. You know, I will show up every single day. I don't get, I don't need the tutoring. I don't need any of the free stuff that comes with it. Just give me a shot. You know, and at the end of the fall, no guarantee. You tell me, you know, go home. I'll be back the next semester. Yeah. And it's just, you know, you got to be willing to do that. Yeah. So. We're completely sidetracked from what yeah. my parents did yeah. for me, but you know it translates mm-hmm. when yeah. when you start analyzing game and analyzing other people. Yeah. So, I, I I love that attitude because I I want to say this is terrible, because um, I'm going to say baseball was very much my my second sport and I was much less good at it. But I, th- there'd be there'd be a spot of jealousy, and I don't think I was unique to this. But I think there, there'd be some jealousy at times of guys who were playing ahead of me and thinking to myself, "Gosh darn it, I you know." 
you know, I, I, I should be playing right now, or man, I wouldn't have made that mistake, or man, that, you know, whatever it is, almost cheering against my own teammate in yeah. which to screw up enough so Adam could get in. Um, and I understand how f- terrible that is. Um, but in, in the same, to, to be that open-minded is what, what you were with, with the whole thing, also acknowledging that, hey, he's a year older, he's been doing this longer, you know, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Um, I mean, he was just a dog. Yeah, I, well, mean, I just think that's, that's the attitude to have right yeah. there. Like, that's exactly what you need to do. And he was, I mean, Ferris had probably the best work ethic I've ever seen. Like there was, and he had like a group of guys that would work out with him because they had like, they went and got a gym membership and I, you know, with me paying, you know, rent and all that, like I, I couldn't spare, you know, put $200 down and yeah. 30 bucks, you know, another 30 bucks a month to mm. pay for a gym. So I just used ECCs, yeah. but you know, it it's tough, especially to be willing to admit that when someone is better than you, and instead of just saying like I could have done that better or I would have done that better, you know, you got to show up to every single practice and be like, I am better and yeah. I'm going to beat him out. And sometimes, you know, that means you got to stick yourself with him. And our coach, who's a big fan, uh, shout out to Coach BA and uh, Tartar as long as and along with Whis- uh, Risky. As long as they listen to this, yeah, we'll, I'll, we'll shout I'll them send, out. Okay, good. I'll send them out. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, it was. You know, B.A. liked a lot, Bill Angelo, William Angelo, we call him B.A., but he liked a lot of podcasts, and he was, he sent us a podcast that was, it was the first podcast that he wanted us to listen to as a team, and it talked about who you surround yourself with, mm-hmm. and I never really thought about it that much because, you know, I just, I came from a small town of, you know, 3,000 people with 500 kids in my high school, so, you know, it's just who you hung out with, mm-hmm. and I didn't start to realize that how important it was who you surround yourself with and who, you know, you keep in your corner. Like, you know, it's always nice to have good people with you, you know, like it's, it's always nice to have the good friends, but like he, he talked about, you know, you want to have, you want to have three or four people in your, in your group. It doesn't have to be necessarily your friend group that, you know, are better than you. And he said, never, he said, never be in a group where you're the best. Because all it does is continue to keep you mediocre. Because those guys are chasing you now. So not, and I'm not saying like abandon people because you're better than them. <laughs> and like in a certain yeah. aspect of sports mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But you know, if you got guys that, you know, have terrible diets and they eat out every single day and you hang around with them all the time, eventually you're going to find yourself eating out all the time. And then you're just going to, you know, you're going to gain that weight. Mm-hmm. But you got, you know, you got a guy that you got two, three guys that diet and work out every single day and have a dedicated workout program and you put that yourself in that area, you're going to get stronger. Yeah. You're going, you have to put yourself in an environment to be successful. And, yeah. the, and the only way to do that is with success, successful people. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to misquote this, but something along the lines of you are the, the average of the five people you hang around the most, yeah. you yeah. know? And so if you are the best and then you have four or five under you, well, the average of that will, is going to bring you down. If, if, you know, those other five people are, are, are fantastic and amazing. And I won't say better than you. That sounds almost goofy, but like, Hey, that average is going to bring you up. Yeah. Type well, of thing. So exactly well, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Don't be. And the other thing is, is don't be afraid of being on the bottom of the totem pole. Yeah. Because those people, gen- because those people generally get to learn the most. Because yeah. you know you got you if you got four people in front of you, you have four people's brains to pick. That you know you might go to the top guy, and the top guy has a completely different routine than the third guy, and yeah. the third guy's routine might work better for you. Yeah. And then next thing you know, you're at the top. Yeah. So you know it's 
again, you just want to put people that work harder or just as hard as you in the same group, never yeah. weaker or less. And I think that's a fantastic attitude because I think most people go the opposite way. They don't, you know, they they want to be the best. They they feel they, comfortable. With. Yeah, they feel yeah. bad when they're not, you know, as good as everyone else. Oh. And look at me, I'm not winning at everything. Oh. But I that, don't want to try hard. Uh, I just want to naturally yeah. win without doing anything. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna put a little effort in, but if I have to put too much effort in, or today I'm gonna put an effort. Yeah. <laughs> but then next week. I'm taking next week off. Yeah, yeah. I plan Maybe on being the week t- after that. Yeah, I'm gonna be tired next week. Oh, today I'm gonna try <laughs> again. And, and sometimes, and you know, and it's not like that's how you develop yeah. cancers on teams and stuff like that. But mm. those people generally end up being the cancer on the yeah. team in ways. Yeah. They might be the most liked person in the entire team, but because they're the most liked, they're also they also bring down the team work ethic. Yeah. You know, and you know that and then when you have a team like that culture. I mean, teams' cultures are what determines team success. When you got a team that's saying, you know, like my when we were at ECC, we thought, you know, we really thought we could have been at a national a national title game, and we we had we had plenty of talent. We had the guys to do it. We had the work ethic, and I mean, every single day we came in there with our heads up, and it was like, all right, it's we're here, we're here to work for the next three hours. What are we going to do? And what are we going to do beforehand and afterhand? Like, me and Zach had a class together. It was – it doesn't matter what class it was. But we we had a class together, and that class got – Let's call it nuclear physics. Yeah. Something, nu- yeah. Well, it was science. <laughs> it was more like it was more like geography. It was geography. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we were up at – so we were – class started at 8. I took all 8 a.m. during mm-hmm. – while I was at UCC. I like having my, done, my day done and out of the way in yeah. the morning. So I got – I got, we had an 8 a.m., it was 8 to 9.15, 9.45, whatever. And, I mean, I'd run the Starbucks real quick, get some, I'd get, like, they have, like, these scrambled eggs things, irrelevant. Anyways, (laughs) so we'd get, I'd get back, and from 10, 10.15 till practice, which was at 1, 1.30 sometimes, too, we'd be hitting, we'd be working on catching, we'd be doing stuff. And, you know, you can't always do that because you're scheduled, but you can always stay after. Yeah. I mean, at There's a ju- always a ten something to one something yeah. time slot in your day or in your week that you can fill. Yeah, and I mean we, I mean we only had four hours of required study t- time, not a day, but a week. <laughs> yeah. So we're not we're you're okay. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I had pl- and I had plenty of time, and I'm not saying like guys didn't have excuses because like I was playing like my two roommates worked. I mean, we they'd go to practice. And then they'd go work or, you know, they would, you know, they yeah. work all weekend. And like, I mean, shout out to those guys. Cause I don't think I'd be able to maintain the grades that I got and play baseball and, you know, work. And that was the beauty of me working so much last summer was I didn't have to work, yeah. you know? So, yeah. yeah. Jay, I have two more questions and then whatever trace has here. Okay. Um, favorite coach of all time and how come? Okay. So this is going to be, so I don't want to hurt any coaches feelings. But uh, <laughs> um, I had a hockey coach that I kind of stuck with it through. He was he wasn't my last coach, but his name was Scott Triber, and uh, I think he had one of the biggest positive impacts on the on my game when it came. He was a hockey coach, and uh, he had one of the biggest positive aspects on my you know sports identity and how I understood myself and how like I took you know training and all that seriously, and. Uh, I think when uh, he just brought an intensity 
he kind of he kind of changed the game from you know being so important and uh, not being important. Less he took not the fun out of the game, but he made it like a legit game. He made you start training. He made you start taking it serious. You know, like we had off ice beforehand, but none of us took it that serious. And then we had off ice. And then after screwing around for quite a bit and, you know, being kids that we were, I was, it was 11, it was 11, 12, 13, and 14 was my years with him. And, you know, you know, your kids still, you know, you're 11 years old. And, uh, you know, we would goof around, we'd have fun, but eventually he, not snapped, but he (laughs) made sure we knew, you know, that what we were doing was serious. Like, if we're going to pay the money that we pay to play, because hockey was never cheap, that this is serious. (laughs) And, uh, I mean, it took took a weighted vest run of over a mile and a half and a bag skate, which... For those who don't know what a bag skate is, it means you're leaving the ice in a body bag because <laughs> of how hard we're going to skate you. Did you know that? Is that heard I did not know that term. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he, we had a, we had like every, every practice was like an hour, hour and a half. And that practice was two hours long and not a single puck hit the ice. So, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Had and, those. and he yeah. called them pukathons. <laughs> yeah. And he he just brought an intensity. Yeah. I mean, he kicked trash cans. He would you know he would get you fired up. And he was the type of coach that I do extremely well with. Mm-hmm. You know, like some guys don't do well in the high intensity coaching situations. Like sometimes they really need a coach to be more of you know like hey this is what you're doing wrong and like and he was like that. But he really just. I don't know. He could get me in my headspace, like where I need to be, like right now. Mm-hmm. Like you know, he would, he'd just get you fired up. And yeah. Scott put, you know, I don't know. He just instilled something into me that you know, if I love sports as much as I do, I have to take it as serious as I possibly can. Yeah. And I mean, it translated because uh, my second to last season would have been so it'd been Bando Major. My uh, it would been U fourteen, okay. and so. We had a really good team. We were, and we didn't, our, nothing showed it. <laughs> our regular season was mediocre, I think. And this was one of the seasons we played like 82 games. And our regular season was mediocre. It was long. It was tough. We had a lot of good teams in our schedule. And our and our uh, our league, Central States, was really tough league. Yeah. And uh, he just, he found a way to like ignite us as a team and as a band of brothers. Mm-hmm. And we ended up, so... We got to the we got to the league championship and we were complete other underdogs. Like it was an eight it was an eighteen playoff and we were number seven coming in. Okay. And we ended up we ended up taking we ended up going into single overtime and losing. Ooh. Which was tough. Ooh. So that was a tough pill to swallow, but we all knew we shouldn't have been there in the first place. Yeah. But the beauty of it was was in a like a week and a half, two weeks, we had state. So we were we were playing against the best teams in the state of Illinois. Granted, like every team gets to play in it, but yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. we were playing what the best had to offer, and we ended up playing our rivals, which was, uh, which was the Chicago Blues, and they, uh, they were good. Yeah, they were really good. And I mean, they they beat the snot out of us <laughs> all regular season, and they just let us have it, yeah. and uh, we, we we took them. 
two we took him to double overtime. We gave him everything we had. Yeah. You know, we just everything. And I mean, I don't I couldn't I could not tell you like the electricity you could feel on the bench when Scott would talk or yeah. when we were in the locker rooms in between periods. Like like it just was a whole new atmosphere. And yeah. he 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 just sparked something. We did end up losing on a really cheeky goal. It wasn't cheeky, but it was just one, a scummy goal because I was I was battling out in front of the net. Shot comes in from the point, rebound. Kid just taps it in, and you know, <laughs> it was crushing. Yeah. Like I had never cried over any loss ever. Like I I mean I didn't I lost a regional championship my senior year. I not a not a tear. Yeah. But like when we lost that game, like I hit the ice. Like it was it yeah. was so hard. And like, I don't know. Scott was just kind of such a he was just such a mentor too. And mm-hmm. you know he he really demanded some you know that you know we respect the game with as much as we could. Like he started mm-hmm. the whole you know and we used to have like track suits kind of with the team logos <laughs> yeah. that we'd wear. They, that Warm-ups, was yeah. yep, they were yep. really popular <laughs> yeah. for hockey for the longest time. And you know, everybody had to have the matching warm ups. Yeah. And we he completely took that and threw it away. He's like, when we were 11, he's like, this is, this is how it's going to be. Like we were wearing, you were wearing a button down shirt. You were wearing dress slacks. You were wearing dress shoes. And then he didn't instill the tie thing until we were, until my 14 U season. And my favorite story about that was I was on, we were on our way to South Bend, Indiana to play a tournament. It was first tournament of the year. We're playing at, uh, we're playing in Notre Dame. Mm And uh, we pull over in this really nasty gas station, and I have to run into the gas station, and uh, I run in, and I the men's is used, so I have to get in the women's, and I have to watch a YouTube video on how to tie a tie, because up until that point, I had never had to go to anything to wear a tie. I hadn't had homecoming yet. I wasn't a freshman, so like, you know, it was just kind of like a whole culture shock. So yeah. like, and it was like, it's not like my dad didn't like not teach me. It's just like. We never had anything where I needed to wear yeah. a tie before. <laughs> so there was a lot of good memories out of that. And yeah. he, he, he's always my go-to for, you know, a coach that, you know, like I, even though I'm not playing that sport anymore, he made a huge difference yeah. in my life, in my life of sports too. Yeah. I, I think it's so neat how it, it I don't know. I, I think it, it's almost like the, the older groups that you coach, like the, the, the better, the, the coach is supposed to be that the the high school varsity coach is better than the JV or freshman coach and that the college coach is better than the high school coach and the professional coach and it, it's amazing how some of the best coaches that the 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 you know athletes have at times yeah. are at those younger levels at, at a time where they are extremely needed yeah slash i mean there's you know, open like like that that was a turning point in your life yeah. you know that whether it be you know hockey or, or baseball, bat, or baseball or whatever. whatever whatever sport you know but he 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 was there and it, and it worked and yeah. it you know and there, he I made mean, a legit coach out of coaching 13 and 14 well, year olds he was he now he he now he coached two teams which was even more difficult Ooh. so he coached us he coached me my team like 11 to 14 and then I got stuck with a coach I didn't I didn't mm-hmm. like and I ended up deciding and calling it quits but he coached the older group he coached a 17 and 18 year old group too and they went to nationals so he was a he was a legit coach and he didn't, and it wasn't like, you know, because 
like you said, varsity coaches are expected to be better than the JV coaches because he was technically, he would be like the varsity coach. And he didn't, he just decided like, there's no off switch. Like, I'm not just going <laughs> to come down here and be like, la di da di da. Like you guys are just here to have fun. Like, no, like I just got off. I just got off of a plane from being Salt Lake City, Utah, <laughs> because my team was that legit. Like you guys don't get a break because you guys are young. Like yeah. we're, we're, we're taking this legit. We're making this team worth something. Yeah. And you know how it is for coaching. You know, mm-hmm. you don't just, you know, just come back and be like, okay, I got a younger group or like, I don't have the same group of people. Like, no, it's like, it doesn't just shut off. Like you have to, you might have to rework it around certain people, but like you still have the same coaching, yeah. you know, chemistry. Still and the have same. your core. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yep. So he just, he didn't have an off switch for it and it worked. Jay, who do you admire as an athlete? Who... <laughs> so uh, another hockey guy because I just think hockey was just such a big part of my mm. life growing up. But uh, the guy I always looked up to was Nicholas Lidstrom from the Detroit Red Wings. He was the reason I wore the number five mm-hmm. for the longest time, and uh, he just played. He he was the smoothest human being on the ice that I've ever seen. I mean, if you were if there was a guy one on one with him, it didn't matter if let's throw some household names out there like Sidney Crosby or, you know, if you want Wayne Gretzky, Alex Ovechkin, it didn't matter who was one-on-one with him. He was going to shut him down. And he was just, he was the smartest hockey player I've ever watched. He was the most prepared and he wasn't like a big dude. He was like, I think he was like six two and he wasn't like built. Like he wasn't like the stereotypical, like big hockey defenseman, but like his game just played well. Everything just translated. He hit. He didn't hit a ton of people, but when he did, it was a hard hit, and it was to take the puck away. It was. It was never. He never focused on you know, you know how can I rile guys up? How yeah. can I? How can I stir the pot? How can I? You know, it was always like I. He was. He just frustrated teams mentally. Yeah. He could take. He could take any puck away from anybody. He would corner you. He could just do everything, and he was a sensational person. Yeah. He was quiet. He wasn't. He was like know. emotionless. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean. Kind of like how he played was yeah. like emotionless. It yeah. was just and, very matter of fact. Yeah. And then off the ice, he was just good dude. Do, you know, just donations. You know, he was from Sweden. He was just a quiet guy. Yeah. But he wasn't, you know, he just didn't have any aspects and wrong with him and at, in Detroit they called him the perfect man <laughs> and I mean there isn't a better nickname for him in my opinion so I, I, I looked up to Nicholas Lindstrom when nice. I was growing up nice. so Trace any other questions I'm good there you go Jay I appreciate your time bud yeah, no problem this, this was fun um you're our first male athlete to get in here so finally we get some good <laughs> oh, well, that's some good guy talk kind of well, I mean, he counts. Well, you can't. What well, are you calling he, me? Well, I, he 100% counts. Before we started this, I'm pretty sure he called me an athlete. Yeah, 100%. And now we get on the mic, and all of a sudden, I'm not an no. athlete anymore? Yeah, because you're talking about, he. You go, you're taking, the, you're, you're not getting any hurt. You're I not getting know. hurt, oh, nothing. Yeah. Bad, no bad knees. And you go, well, you got to be an athlete for that. Yeah, so yeah. what are we, what what's happened? going on here? It's only trying, been an hour. I'm trying to think of a way to back myself out of this. <laughs> I don't think you're right. <laughs> you might just want to not hit. You just might want to just press the record button. And Episode call it two was so long ago that I just, <laughs> I just Gosh. don't remember it. A whole month. It was. Oh, jeez. Well, Jay, thanks again for joining us. We appreciate your time. Yeah, and, no um, problem. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Guys, thanks for listening.